Hello and welcome to another episode of our show. I hope you're doing well and thank you for listening. Today's guest is Lansifer Longinus, which of course is a pseudonym. Lansifer is a member of the TST, the Satanic Temple, in the San Antonio chapter of Texas. Lansifer is also a uh, professional horseback rider. He, he's a trained jouster. And he also started up the TST Color Guard, which is a cavalry element in the that they use for their activism in Texas and throughout the United States. Uh, Lanzafer is just a wonderful person to talk to. He shares about his passion in creating equality and equity for, for all groups and talks about how the Satanic Temple has a scary name, but it's it's a non-theistic pursuit of raising awareness and pursuing social social justice. Um, I know there are some people that might find the name kind of scary, and that's really not their intent. It's just to sort of, again, raise awareness. So thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy, and have a wonderful day. Uncut, uncensored, and unfiltered, this is an open mind, and you're listening to I'm probably wrong about everything. All right, we have with us today Lanzifer Longinus. Did I get that right? Yeah, yeah. Awesome. We practiced before. How are you doing today? Pretty good, pretty good. 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 So you're, uh, are you able to, to disclose where you're kind of located? Well, I, I live in Texas. I live in right. central Texas. Right. Yeah. How, how are things over there? Well, um, with the COVID thing going on, it's, it's, it's been kind of rough. I mean, mm-hmm. businesses are starting to open back up and things, you know, there's people are wearing masks when they go into restaurants and grocery stores and gas stations and things of that nature. But, uh, for like about three months, there was a lot of stuff closed, a lot of restaurants and, and whatnot. And it's really messed up the economy pretty badly, but it is what it is. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm just surviving. Yeah. So uh, you're, you're involved in the satanic temple. Can right. you kind of share with us what your position is in this uh, organization? Well, I'm, I'm head of the Mounted Color Guard. I, I used to be uh, chapter head for the San Marcos chapter. And uh, San Marcos, Texas is like halfway between Austin and San Antonio. And um, that chapter lasted about, it started in 2016. And, and I, I believe like July of 2016. And, and, uh, we ended up having to dissolve it in, in March of, of, of last year. And um, anyway, it's a long story how it happened, but, but basically um, after the movie came out, there was like all of this interest in people wanting to start chapters and all of this. And because we were a very small chapter and we were 50 miles away from Austin and 50 miles away from San Antonio, the San Antonio chapter had, had, had just, just become an official chapter and they already had more people than we did. And the Austin chapter that had started 
about the same time as the San Marcos chapter in 2016, they had, a, they had more people and they were steadily growing. And, and that's just, just how it ended up happening in order for it. We were basically dealt administrative. We, we were basically dealt uh, policy and, and procedure changes such that in order to stay afloat, we would have had to do more, more than twice the work that we were already doing. And it just, it just wasn't happening and we ended up having to dissolve it and and mo and our, all of our members either ended up going to the Austin chapter or the San Antonio chapter. I'm I'm presently a member of the San Antonio chapter, but uh a few months after we shut down the San Marcos chapter, the um the, the mounted color guard became an official thing. That was like the last thing that I put in our proposal for when we had to shut down the chapter. Cause I'm like, look, this is like, this is totally my skill set. You know, it's just like, if we can have this, this is just going to be the coolest thing. And, uh, and yeah, it's, it's, it's more up my alley, you know. How many people are in this, this color guard? Well, color I have, guard. um, right now I have about five people that I ride with and stuff. We, we haven't done a whole lot of stuff publicly. The thing was we had a big event that we were going to do this year. There was going to be, there was going to be the reproductive rights rally in, in Utah. And that was going to be at the end of April. And that was going to be a week away from this, this big joust tournament that I usually do down here in Texas the same time of year. But all of these things just ended up getting canceled because, because of the pandemic. I mean, it just ended up happening, but um, it, it is supposed to be happening next year about the same time, the, the last, the last weekend of April. And um, yeah. And so I'm trying to, to put together a crew and a, a convoy to, to do that, bring the horses up there and everything. So like, you sound like a very interesting character in this in this whole in this very interesting story of this organization. How did you like how did you get into the Satanic Temple? Well, in in 2013 I was um I was living in East Texas and um and I live in Central Texas now, but it's kind of it's kind of a long story. East Texas is almost like a third world country compared to the rest of Texas. You know, if you think that theocracy is a problem in any, any part of Texas, it's everything is worse in, in East Texas. And uh, it's just very conservative. There's a lot of dry counties, you know, and I lived in a really rural community in Smith County where you had to drive, you had to drive like 50 miles to, you know, to cross the, the county line to go to this, this big liquor store out in the middle of nowhere. It's really weird because the Baptists really control, you know, a lot of things out there. And it's, it's, it's really strange because like most of them drink, they don't have a problem with drinking. They just don't want to see other people drinking. They just, they think it's societally bad or something. I don't know. Well, anyway, when I was, when I was living out there, uh, that's the first that I, the first that I had heard of the satanic temple was the, um, was, was when they were having the Baphomet statue built. And, and, and I saw it on the news that, that the, um, the religious right 
conservative Christians were just up in arms opposed to this. And at that time, all it was was a drawing on a piece of paper. They, they, they definitely had the intent of, of, of placing this monument at the Oklahoma Capitol at that time. And, um, but all it was, it, it, as, far as, as far as building this thing was concerned, all it was was just a, a drawing on a piece of paper. A few months later, it, it, it evolved from a drawing on a piece of paper to a 3D model that was made on a computer. And then by 2014, they actually started to build this thing. And, um, you know, I saw the pictures of it. They were building the, the like, whatever you call it, before you have a mold built, you have the actual sculpture itself made. And, um, and I moved to Central Texas in, in, in 2015. In 2015, I think it was July, yeah, July 25th. They, they, they unveiled it in, in, in Detroit. I really wanted to go to the unveiling in Detroit, but it, it was just, it was, it was not in my cards to be able to, to make the trip at the time. But uh, at that point, I'm like, okay, this is real. They built this thing. And I, and I understood the rationale for why they were having this thing made because first it was in, it was in Oklahoma. You know, there was a mm -hmm. 10 commandments monument built there. And you have a lot of atheists. I was associated with a lot of, of atheists when I was in East Texas. I was, I was, I was a member of the, um, of the um, Secular Humanist Society of East Texas. And they're very much about, you know, if, if, we, if we can't get, if we can get, can't get a, uh, a statue or a display or something removed, then we're going to try to put up a display of our own. So that was kind of, <laughs> there I went I went to um to one protest or demonstration with them when I was still living in East Texas where there was a uh, a nativity scene at the um at the Cherokee County courthouse in Rusk Texas and um and so basically we're, what we're trying to do is put up a uh, human light display which the secular humanists they they have they have a, a celebration I think it's December twenty third this human light and it's it's basically their winter holiday kind of right. celebration so that they went through all the trouble of having this banner made and stuff and we were out there on that day you know standing close to the the um, the nativity scene with this big banner. And there were all these people driving up, yelling at us and mm. telling us to move out of the way of the, of the nativity scene and all of this. And it was really interesting how much opposition we had for just trying to put up a display. We weren't trying to remove the, 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 the nativity scene so much as, okay, we've got this other holiday display that we want to put up to complement this so that there's like a variety of different organizations that can put up some kind of a holiday display right. but yeah i mean we were met with so much opposition to this i didn't follow up much on this you know on what happened with it or what continued to happen with it over the years since i moved but you know i was already i was already kind of a part of this this thing you know and and that's why i understood 
why they wanted to the, the satanic temple wanted to get the, the baphomet statue placed you know next to the ten commandments at the at the art at the originally at the oklahoma capitol and i followed this on the news what was happening to it and it made it all the way up to the oklahoma supreme court that finally finally ordered them to remove the ten commandments from the oklahoma right. uh, supreme court an interesting thing happened after that there was this cowboy church pastor from texas someplace up in north texas that organized this trail ride all the way from texas to to present the governor of of oklahoma with the small ten commandments you know made out of stone and it was a big to do you know and they were riding their horses and carrying flags and all of that and i was like okay i'm watching this (laughs) i think i could do better than this someday but you know the thing was it was completely legitimate for it to be removed you know um, it was completely legitimate for the the oklahoma um supreme court basically ordered the 10 commandments monument removed from the capitol grounds it needed to be moved someplace else you know and that was the end of that that was also the end of the t- the, the the satanic temple trying to get the baphomet statue right. placed on the on the Oklahoma Capitol because there was no more reason to do that. It was it was like either or. It's like either yeah. you let all of us put our our displays and our monuments up, or you get rid of all the religious monuments and displays. And it's like either way, it's a win win. and that's when when I when I I discovered this is a brilliant way to address this issue. Right. You know. Because the 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 Ten Commandments statue in Oklahoma. That would have just gone up had there not been the satanic temple that was the leading opposition in this. Is that correct? Well, I, I don't know if it was the leading opposition. Okay, there were there were there were um, there were organizations that were that were trying to get it removed to start right. with, but the satanic temple's approach to the issue is not to try to remove it, but it's like, okay, if you're going to allow there to be a 10 commandments monument or a statue of Jesus or, uh, uh, you know, a nativity scene or whatever the case may be, some type of religious monument there, then that means we can put any religious monument there because obviously, you know, it's like, there's, it's like there's other religions in this country besides, (laughs) besides Christianity. I mean, there there's so there's there's going to be different religious groups different churches synagogues whatever you want to call them you know different religious organizations or you know or even secular organizations that are going to want to put up some kind of display you know so that there's there's we're all getting a fair fair treatment yeah. you know well a separation of church and state right like that's well, what there this is be separation of church but there isn't well, that there should be. Yeah. And and the thing is, okay, the the First Amendment of, of our Constitution, basically, it, the Establishment Clause, is basically, is basically the idea of the separation of church and state. You have the right. Free Exercise Clause, which spells out a citizen's right, you know, as far as freedom of religious expression, and you have the Establishment Clause, on the other hand, that limits the government's being able to meddle on religious issues and 
there's a lot of people that are like, well, there's no separation of church and state isn't in the constitution. And it's like, it is, but it's mm-hmm. not worded that way. It's not worded that way, but it's basically, it, it's the spirit of the idea of separation of church and state because we don't want there to be a theocracy and there shouldn't be a theocracy, right. you know, and, and, and the idea of theocracy is, is antithetical to the notion of religious freedom for everybody. You know, if we have the establishment of one religion in the government, then that means that people of other religions, different religions or the lack thereof are going to basically become second class citizens. And we don't want that. Well, well, Another problem is the amount of money that, you know, the Christian churches have that they're getting in that can influence politicians. Because wasn't like, again, I, I, my history on this guy ain't so great, but Donald Trump was not a religious man, but now he's identifying. He's playing it. He's playing exactly it. right. Which again and, is he's playing to he has and he has the evangelicals played exactly he has them played and that's just they've been duped but you know it's just like I don't know it is what it is right but there's other there's other people there's other citizens in this country that don't agree with that that don't agree with you know, that are of different religious affiliations or not even any religious affiliation that are not buying into that. And um, it's a problem. It's been a problem for years. It's been a problem for decades. Well, in, in Canada, our prime ministers, like I have no idea what religion my prime minister is. Whereas in the States, historically, it's like that is a pretty big factor in who their voting base is, is what denomination they are. And it's always Christian, obviously. There's never been an atheist, well, a, a president who identifies as an atheist in power or any other religion. It's always been a Christian president. Is that correct? So far, I mean, but there, there have been, the thing is, okay, here in the United States, the, the, the religious minority is not just Christian, but a certain brand of Christian. Right. And a lot of them are Protestants. The evangelicals are, are for the most part, Protestants of some denomination or another. And then you have this weird thing called non-denominational Christians, which they're still Protestants. Whatever they want to call themselves is fine and dandy. Right. But to label themselves as non-denominational I think is kind of kind of a, a, an oxymoron because they they really are very they really do have a very narrow specific yeah. you know set of set of ideals and, and and beliefs and whatnot and Catholics are Christians I, I've even heard I've even I've, I've <laughs> even been told by I'm former Catholic myself I've gotcha I, I, I was brought up Catholic you know, as a child and everything. I'm not a Catholic anymore, but I'm familiar with it enough. Right. When when some Protestant evangelical Christian is trying to tell me, well, Catholics aren't Christians, I'm like, uh, <laughs> wrong, wrong. It's you the know? original Christian. I mean, yeah, you know, you have Orthodox, you have right. You, you have some brand of Orthodox or other, you have Catholics, you have, you have some, some brand of Protestant or other. And that's basically, basically everybody falls into one of those right. three groups, you know? Yeah. 
I, I, I have that argument all the time. People are like, yeah, I'm not Christian. I'm Catholic. I'm like, ah, do you read the book that, you know, that you talk about? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So you, you said before you were part of the secular humanists, which sounds like, you know, super uh, easygoing. You know what I mean? Like secular humanists, so those sound like nice people. And then you jump into the satanic temple, which is like, that's like a punch in the face. That's sure to grab attention. Is that why you kind of jump to these guys? Is because you're like, they're going somewhere. And this well, is like. They're activist efforts. Right. Okay. Okay. When they're doing something, when they're, when they're actually, when there's a demonstration or a ritual or something being performed in public, sure. It's going to grab attention, but. I mean, that's not the reason in and of itself. It's of course. The, the difference, okay, between what the secular humanists are trying to do and what the Satanists are trying to do as far as the Satanic Temple. And I'm right. only talking about the Satanic Temple because there's a whole bunch, there's a whole bunch of other Satanists out there that, yeah. aren't, that aren't on board with what we're trying to do. But there's just a difference in tactics and there's a difference in strategy to how we address these issues. And I mean, the perfect example is, I mean, the, the Baphomet statue, it was, it was built for a reason and, and it wasn't built, it wasn't built specifically because we want the 10 commandments to come down. It was built that with the, with the, basically the, 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 the simplified rationale for it is if you're going to allow 10 commandments monument, then, you know, yes. we've, we've done everything we could. To, to build this statue, you know, to, to be placed here to represent, you know, in, in, in the spirit of religious plurality. I mean, because it's like you can have a secular government, which is what we're supposed to have. Yes, gotcha. You can have a, and you can have a rig, religiously pluralistic society. And these two things are not mutually exclusive. In fact, they allow perfectly for each other you know, ideally, but when you have a theocracy, then mm. eh, not so much. So kind of the, the, the focus was on directly challenging the theocratic elements of the United States. Like that's, that's the focus is on identifying that really it's not a, it's not a plural, uh, pluralistic religion. It's a, it's almost like a mono religion in the United States. That has all the power. Well, they they would they would like to have people believe that, but right. it really isn't that way. I mean, there's 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 a myriad of different churches and yes. and 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 places of worship. I mean, there's mosques, there's there's mm -hmm. synagogues, there's there's temples, there's all kinds of things here in the United States. It's just that you know. But they don't have the power. You're going to see more churches. Exactly. You're going to see more Protestant churches than you're going to see Catholic churches. But it's not about numbers. It really is. It shouldn't be about numbers. Religious freedom isn't about how many people right. you have. But, you could, you but what I'm saying is that they have the, the, the you know, evangelicals, non-denominationals, they have the power and the influence that the, that the, the you know, synagogues and the mosques don't necessarily have over the political development of the United States. That's sure. I mean, it's, 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 it's dominated our culture for centuries. Right. Okay. 
and this is not even just necessarily an American phenomenon. This is this is this is something that's gone gone before before the colonial period. You know, it's just that things are a little bit better now. Right. But but we're trying to you know we're trying to keep keep things from going back into this this theocratic system that you know that that really when 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 the revolution happened and 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 all of that and and we 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 became the united states of america and and we, we and we had the constitution written these were things that we were trying to get away from we were where we we wanted religious freedom for everybody you know and and that's and 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 by everybody i'm talking about religious minorities and non-religious people everybody you know and that's the way it should be which is interesting because what wasn't what, like the birth center of the satanic temple in Salem, which is where the, the witch trials were like 300 years ago or something like that. That's, that's where they, that's where they placed the, um, the, the international headquarters, the Salem art gallery, which is, yeah, which is the, um, the, the, that's the international headquarters for, right. for the satanic temple. That was in 2016 when they opened up that building. So the so the actual organization had been around, you know, for a while before they managed to get that building. Well, I and and but I guess my point is is that like there's always been problems with accepting minority groups, but in in emphasis of what we're talking about, minority religious groups throughout North America, throughout any colonial power, right? Going right. back to the witch trials right oh yeah but it, it, it's interesting because uh i remember reading about the baphomet statue and thinking like this is before i saw the film hail satan which is incredibly humanist uh in its you know depiction of course but i remember seeing this baphomet statue in this article and thinking like what the hell are these guys doing and then reading it and being like oh man they got they got my allegiance so that was like in like, I don't know, 2016 when this was all going on and people were losing their minds. Oh, yeah. And it's like, why is this so offensive, right? Why are we so fragile with our feelings, you know? Well, not everyone is. No, no, certainly but, not. But, but the but loudest voices are. The loudest, the loudest voices, they're, they're, some of them are very offended and they're offended they want to be offended, but it's like if you explain to them the legitimate the legitimate reason why we're doing this. I mean, it's it's like there's no reason for them to be offended, but they but they choose to be offended. It's just they just have a very narrow-minded, you know, mindset. You know, when when I'm talking to people who are who identify as Christian, and you know, I, I know a little bit about the, the, you know, historical Jesus and the New Testament and all that stuff. I was educated, kind of like yourself. When, when I, I hear things like, well, you know, the homophobic, uh, racist statements, I think like, hey, man, really think about it. If Jesus came here today, do you think he'd give a shit about this statue? He would just be like, whatever, man, do whatever you want. But the the his followers today they're like you know this is they're they're attacking us and all this stuff and it's like i think that they've lost well not again some 
the loudest voices have kind of lost the real purpose of what it is that they're following, I think. Oh, yeah. And, and the thing is, in, here in the United States, there, there have been there have been these, these uh, quote-unquote religious freedom laws, you know, right. or re- religious freedom acts or re- religious freedom restoration acts or whatever that really don't have anything whatsoever to do with religious freedom, okay? And they've been drafted by conservative Christians, and they've been, and, 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 and basically the idea is they're, they're to allow they're they're allowed a lot to allow religious bigots to be able to discriminate. Oh, they're they're, they're ba- basically to allow religious bigots that own businesses to be able to discriminate against their employees and and whomever else, you know. And um, sorry, but that's not what religious freedom is about. <laughs> you know, that's not my idea of religious freedom. So so just to clarify these religious freedom acts are almost giving these, you know, people in power who identify, you know, loudly that they're of this denomination or whatever. It's giving them leeway to sort of say whatever they want. Basically, basically they can discriminate against their employees. They can, they can, they can refuse service to whomever they want based on their personal religious convictions, it, it's very strange. It's very strange. Have you ever um, seen this? Has this ever happened to you? Have you ever experienced this? Like somebody's not serving you because you're not Christian? Like it hasn't really happened to me personally, mm-hmm. but I, you know, I, I also have a habit not to really, not to really patronize businesses that are, you know, they're, that are likely to discriminate against right. you. Because if they've already discriminated against somebody. You're not going to martyr yourself. I, I'm, I'm just like, well, that's fine. You know, instead of going to Chick-fil-A, I'll just go to Popeye's or instead of going to, to Hobby Lobby, I'll go to Michael's or whatever. You know? <laughs> it's like I can, I can shop someplace else, you know, but this type of thing still, still happens you know well yeah so for you again kind of going into your story when like how old were you when you kind of separated from the catholic church well i was like in sixth seventh grade in catholic Mm -hmm. school and i and i wasn't vocal about it because i really couldn't be vocal about it then but i was just already not buying into it you know i i was just i mean there's one scene in 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 the hail satan film where i'm talking about the where we went to go see the the gandhi film you know and and we had we had we had this this history teacher that was just really I mean, she was a Catholic, but she was a very evangelical Catholic. Mm. And she also kind of, I don't know, she's a little crazy, but <laughs> I mean, she told us, she told us basically, we, we, we watched this whole film at sixth grade at that age, you know, it's like, that's a long film. That's like, that's, that, that was like a three hour film with, with an intermission and everything. 
And I was under the impression, okay, I better be paying attention to what's going on in this. We may have to write a report on it or something of that nature. And I'm actually paying attention to what's happening in this film. Okay, so Gandhi wasn't a Christian, you know, obviously he was Hindu, but I mean, through nonviolent protest, mm. he, he managed he managed to free his whole country from the British Empire. I mean, that's 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 quite a massive accomplishment. <laughs> and you know, it's anyway. We go, we go to class the next day. We're discussing the ins and outs of the story of the movie and everything. And at the end of the, at the end of the class, the teacher says, you know, because he wasn't a Christian, he went to hell. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. Like, I, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't That's say anything. Bullshit. I didn't yeah. say, I didn't say anything to right. the teacher or the class or anything, but already I'm like, wow, this just doesn't compute. <laughs> you know, this is just like, you know, you know, it just, yeah, I just couldn't buy into it anymore. I just, yeah. So, so then, then like, so you're what, 11 years old when this happens, what were your parents like? Were they super like, you know, tough on you in terms of religion or? Well, I mean, we went to, we didn't always go to mass on Sunday, but, but we did a lot. And right. You know, and then that started to kind of phase out as I, as I got older, you know, and um, by the time I was in high school, I, I just like, no, like I was pretty much done with it. I was just, yeah. But then here you are, you know, you're in high school. How did you get, because activism sounds like it's very important to you, right? You know. It, making it is, differences in it is to me now i mean right when i was when i was a kid i really yeah. wasn't so much into political activism or anything of that nature except that you know i just i just you know i lost my faith as far as catholicism went as far as christianity went i just it's just i i just i wasn't a believer anymore you know right. And then, so then how did you fall into this, the, the secular humanist? Well, when I was in East Texas, when I was living in East Texas, the majority of folks out there, this is before the, this is before the, you know, the, the Trump administration, this right. is, you know, Obama was a president and these same people that are like militant Trump supporters. Now they were so against Obama. Okay. And, um, it was just, there was, there, there, there was just a mindset to most of the folks out there. It was, and the most like-minded folks that I ran into out there were, yeah, were, were part of, were part of the secular humanist society of East Texas. And yeah. And I, I joined and went to their meetings and stuff and did some demonstrations with them and everything, but yeah, I mean, and then I moved to East Texas. It's a long story, but the only reason I even moved to East Texas in the first place, which, I mean, I, I grew up in Houston. I grew up in a big city right. and and anyway, I was part of I was part of the Joust troupe that 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 performed at this Renaissance festival. This is a little Renaissance festival that was in East Texas, 
and I had already been, I'd already been doing this stuff for years. And um, anyway, when I, when I lived in Houston, I lost my job and I'm like, okay, this is it. I, I just got to just move to East Texas just so that I, this is like, it was just the thing that I was passionate about. And then I ended up getting two horses of my own. And, and in 2014, the owner of that festival announced that they weren't going to be opening up in, in the fall of the next year. And I knew that was the beginning of the end. And, and by that time, my mom was already living in central Texas. Um, the producer of one of the big tournaments that I've been jousting at and competing at for years lived in central Texas. A friend of mine that I went to high school with, he moved out to different, different places in central Texas. I'm like, okay, things seem a little bit cooler out there. You know, I'm, I'm going to move to central Texas. And, and I did, you know, and yeah. And I mean, central Texas, as far as Austin and San Marcos and San Antonio, it's, just, it's a little bit more cosmopolitan out here. Right. It's closer to nature and everything, you know, I mean, I live in a rural area, but it's, it's, and there's still some rednecks out here and there's still some, a lot of really conservative folks out here, but generally speaking, you know, it's like, San Marcos, for example, is for a small town. Well, it's a it's a city. It's it's not a big city, but for a small city, it's it's a pretty cosmopolitan city. Right, because based on my understanding, is that like you say, you're in this uh, these cities that you're you're you know you're growing up in or whatever. They're quite conservative, correct? Well. Um, I grew up in Houston. I mean, I was born in Houston and, right. and that, Houston is a pretty big city. Um, but I'm really into horses and, yeah. and big cities don't work so well. For me, you know, I mean, yeah. it's just become such an integral part of my life now that I, I kind of have to live out in a rural area. I don't want to live out in a rural area. That's way, you know, that's, that's just completely isolated, but, you know, it's nice to be within 15 minutes of a town that, you know, that's got everything that I need, you know? Right. Yeah. Cause I mean, I just, I find it interesting that, you know, we grow up in these kind of echo chambers or whatever, and you've always kind of had this idea of like, you know, dare I say almost kind of liberal, right. But then you kind of found this group and then that sort of pulled you in, but you were able to kind of stay true to these values in spite of all these other influences, it sounds like. Well, the thing is, you know, Satanism isn't a cookie cutter religion. No. And I had already been through so many different cookie cutters throughout my life. I mean, I, the, the Catholic church cookie cutter, you know, the, the Catholic school cookie cutter, you know, I even, I even went to a Baptist university for two years. That was kind of cookie cutter, you know, and then I, I worked for different joust companies, which, they're very tribal in a way too, right. not in a religious way so much, but they're very, they're very tribal little organizations, you know? And, and, and so I, I, I went through those cookie cutters and it was just like, you know, I've just, I'm just a highly individualistic guy. I'm very eccentric, you know, but I, it's like, I don't, I'm not trying to fit everyone else into my mold of the way I think I should be. 
I could care less how so everybody, somebody else wants to wear their hair or dress or what kind of music they listen to or, or whether they want to cover their bodies with tattoos or whether they don't want tattoos. I don't care. It's not my business. You know, it's not my circus, not my monkeys, but, <laughs> but I'm very, you know, I'm very passionate about like, this is my freedom. Right. Now at the same time, you know, even though I'm, I'm really, I'm really eccentric and I'm really, I'm really into expressing myself and my own freedom of expression. You know, I also, you know, I also feel that it behooves me to, 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 to help, you know, marginalized folks, you know, and, and religious minorities and, and, you know, other downtrodden folks that just want the same things. They just want the same freedoms. They just want the same basic human dignity and, and human rights, you know? And, you know, it's, 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 it's like a noblesse oblige thing, you know? It's like, it's like, you know, I get to do cool stuff. I get to joust. I get to suit up in armor. I get to ride a horse and do things that I love doing. But at the same time, I kind of, I kind of owe a little bit to, you know, the, the, the society around me to try to, to help somehow make it a better place, not just for myself, but for, for those less fortunate than me. Oh, thank, that's super admirable. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of people that they just kind of wander aimlessly through their lives, but you've kind of looked at yourself and you said, man, I've been, you know, I have all these freedoms and I want to ensure that other people have the same opportunities as, as yourself. More or less. Yeah. Yeah. So how are you, how is the satanic temple? How is the color mounted guard working towards promoting um, equity in society now? Like what sort of, what are you guys after right now? Well, um, basically, okay. Basically the mounted color guard, you know, it involves horses. Sometimes yeah. it involves armor. It involves flags, you know. But um, we show up to support bigger events that, that the other chapters of the organization are doing. Right. You know, and lately it's just been neighboring chapters, you know. But, uh, I mean, when we finally go to, to, to Utah, for example, for the, for the reproductive rights rally, that's not just going to be a Texas thing. That's going to be that's going to be people coming from all over, all over the country, you know, maybe even some, some folks from other countries are going to be there for that. And um, yeah, I'm trying to get, trying to get some horses and riders up there for that. That's, that's, that's my next goal. But, um, and this year, like all of the chapters, like all of, all of our activities have all pretty much been online since the pandemic started. So and it's probably going to be like that for a while, unfortunately. So we don't have any big events coming up. But like last year, we had we had some stuff. We had an unbaptism. The the, the um, San Antonio chapter had an unbaptism for its second second year. Uh, Austin had an unbaptism for their third year. The Houston chapter had a black mass. I brought my horse there for that. That was fun. <laughs> That was, uh, and um, there was a, there was a group of, of Catholics that were, that assembled across the street from, 
from where, where we had the where, where we had the black mass and they were protesting and they had a <laughs> big statue of the virgin mary and everything and they were and they were saying the rosary and and everything it was interesting what's what's like the craziest situation you've ever been in with the satanic temple well let me think about this um the protesters that showed up when we had the black mass they were relatively tame but mm-hmm. when we when we went to arkansas when we were in arkansas for the the uh, when the Baphomet statue was brought to, to the Arkansas Capitol in Little Rock in 2018, uh, that, that was a little bit wild. It had some wild moments. I mean, Lucian Greaves even, even wore uh, a, a bulletproof vest because he was concerned and, and, and you know, his, 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 his bodyguards were even concerned that, you know, somebody might even try to shoot at us. I was standing in front of this, the whole display just in jousting armor. If somebody had shot me, like whatever, I would have been gone. Yeah. You know, but oh, that's uh, really thin. That stuff. The jousting armor, They're, like the jousting armor, isn't very protective. It's protective if you're jousting. It's yeah, not, not protective <laughs> so much against bullets. You know. Yeah. How mean, heavy is that stuff? Uh, well, I haven't actually weighed it, but I have. I have I have two suits of, of, of armor for jousting that's in stainless steel and I have mm-hmm. one leather suit that I made myself, not for jousting, but for other things, right. you know. And um so depending on what style of jousting I'm doing in a competition, you know, there I may wear a different helmet, I may wear a different set of arms, I may wear a different breastplate. It just it's all depends on you know the, the, the actual style of jousting. And a style of jousting is defined by the materials and the shape and the size of the lances, you know, what the lance tips are made out of, whether you're jousting with a shield or in a crunch or a grand guard or, or what protective gear you're using outside of just your armor itself. Sometimes there's no shield. Sometimes it's just against breastplates. It just depends. And so, yeah, I have, I have armor that's that interchangeable parts that, that I wear specific to what type of what type of competition I'm doing or yeah. How many how many different types of competition are there? Well how to put this, okay. I got into jousting from performing at Renaissance festivals. And right. I used to be I used to be a musician at at, at Renaissance festivals and and I just kind of, I guess I kind of got bored of it. And, I, and, and jousting seemed a whole lot more exciting, you know. And, uh, and I saw how big the crowds were that showed up to their shows. When they, and, and they were all screaming when they were riding in, carrying their flags and everything. And I'm like, I'm in the wrong business. And there went <laughs> the rest of my life. And, um, and I went on the road on and off working for different joust companies that did things a little bit different. There's some joust companies that do theatrical jousting, which is, it's not a real competition. The jousting is choreographed and the fights right. are choreographed. You know, when they do the games, you know, the mounted games, that, that part's not choreographed because you either, you know, you either make it through fast enough and hit more things fast enough or you don't. But there's also troops 
that perform at Renaissance festivals that do competitive jousting, but there might be some theatrical aspects to it. Right. Like they're playing a character of some sort or other, you know, but for mo the most part, you know, the jousting is like real, you know, Whoa. as in, you know, a competitive and, and yeah. What, and what kind I've of done a little bit? I've done a little bit of both, but I'm more into, I'm more into jousting in real tournaments now. I'm just, I'm more into, you know, doing the competitive thing. I mean, I would perform as a jouster again, you know, theatrically if it paid well enough, you know, and, but, you know, it's, it's just not, it's not as much my cup of tea as it used to be. Right. Is that, is that what you do for work is, is competitive jousting? No, it's not, um, it's not a full-time thing. I mean, I right. have a mundane job, but there was a time in my life, there were several times in my life in the past 20 years or so that I went on the road and, you know, performed at different Renaissance festivals across the country for one joust company or another, you know, but the lifestyle of being on the road is pretty rough. The jousting yeah. part of it was fun. The performing part of it was right. fun, but life, the rest of the week, the rest of the month, you know, at, at, you know, living backstage, you know, from, from, from a, a joust arena upstairs from a, tap room that, that with the leaky roof when it's right. raining and all that it's not very glamorous at all <laughs> you know yeah. and um, now that I have my own two horses you know it's kind of like well you know I have to have like a, a steady I have to have right. a steady job steady income so that I can pay for their upkeep and I've, I've you know got to have a, a dwelling you know right a place that I'm that I'm that I'm that I'm you know renting for you know, a period of time. And if I pack up and go on the road, well, I'm still paying rent wherever I've left all of my stuff. Right. Your horses. That gets, and yeah. that gets to be expensive. There's a lot of people that I knew when I went on the road jousting that, I mean, wherever they stayed was where they lived. You know, it's like they, they all had RVs or they, or they'd stay in, or they'd stay in trailers or they, you know, whatever. And, I, I never really had an RV or anything like that. So it was, it was particularly rough for me, you know, living, living wise, you know, at, in those settings. I, I, I got to ask, what yeah. does a night of the satanic temple do for work? What is your mundane job? Well, lately. And, and the thing is, it's like, everything has changed. Everything has changed because of the pandemic. You yeah, know, I had I had I had a pretty good gig that just petered out before before the the pan. Well, right at the outset of the pandemic. So now I'm 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 basically doing carpentry type stuff. Oh, okay. Remodeling type stuff. It's not like what I want to do. Like this right. is my life's calling, but it's it's what's paying the bills now. Hmm. You know, and um. Yeah, I mean, I'm still a musician too. Okay. I think the thing about the thing about that is, it's like just like jousting. It's like it's a live show. It's like it's like the the. It's like if if I don't have a venue to perform at, or if I don't have a festival or a tournament to perform at, or I don't have some drinking establishment that has you know that 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 I can perform at, you know, it's like, 
I'm not making any money. It's not, there's no place for me to work. So I have to do something. And yeah. What, uh, what type of music do you play? Well, I, 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 I play classical guitar and, okay, and, yeah. and I, I can also play the Renaissance lute, not quite as well as I can play the guitar, but, um, but, um, I arrange and transcribe a lot of modern, modern stuff, you know, and for, for solo guitar and, um, yeah, I like themes from movies and things like that, you know, right. it's all instrumental stuff. I was thinking like, you know, is it some kind of black metal or death metal or something? Cause. Oh, I like, you know, I listen to that kind of music. Yeah. Yeah. I, I listen, I, I'm still a big, you know, metal fan. I just, but, but my, my performing tastes are more, right. more acoustic. So you know? are, are, are your parents, are they still alive? My mom is still alive. Does she know that you're a, a member of the satanic temple? She knows. What, what did she say when you told her this? Well, she's still very, she's still very Catholic. And right. that's, and I'm fine with that, you know, yeah. and every now and then we get into, we get into little, little arguments about politics or religion or whatever. And I'm like, do you really want to go there? Do you really <laughs> want to go there? Like, you know, you know that I disagree with you, but you know, do you really, really want to go there? You know, I mean, she's, she's still my mom. She's always yeah. going to be my mom. I'm still her son. I'm always going to be your son. And we have some differences and that's just, you know, we have differences. I have, I have two brothers and one's Catholic, but he's a very liberal Catholic. Right. And one is kind of agnostic. And I mean, we disagree on some things. We agree on some other things, whatever. I mean, you know, it's like, we're still family. Mm. But I have some extended family that has just pretty much ostracized me, you know, like, okay, fine, fine, whatever, you know, yeah. <laughs> you got to do, you know? Yeah. So, and yeah, I mean, there's kind of a price to this, you know, it's like, it, it's like, how to put this, it's like, Satanism is in the cookie cutter religion. It's like everybody that comes into Satanism, they've made a conscious right. choice that they want to identify as a Satanist. We're not going door to door, knocking on people's door, asking if they've heard the, the good news of Baphomet. We're not trying, <laughs> you know, we're not trying to, you know, we're not evangelizing. We're not, we're not proselytizing. We're not trying to recruit converts. It's like people come to us. Right. People come to us if they want to convert or whatever. And, and even if, even as far as joining, joining the satanic temple, there's a vetting process, you know, it's like, you know, not, not just anybody can, can join. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's, I mean, as far as joining a chapter and all of that, and, and it's that there's a vetting process and there's a vetting process for, for chapters that, you know, that, that, that want to get started, but they haven't officially become a chapter yet. There's, there's right. a process for all of that. What, what is the, the vetting process for a member? Well, the thing is we want to make sure generally, you know, we want to make sure that, that, that 
that people have have the right they're, they're they're joining for the right reasons right you know and that they don't have some kind of weird agenda to joining mm-hmm. you know which which like, let's sacrifice cats you'd be surprised you know yeah. they're like oh i'm a satanist i'm all about this and then you find out oh okay uh and then and and then but they're not anything like us as far as you know as 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 far as their their ethics or their beliefs right. or, or or you know or if they just have some kind of weird kind of creepy agenda we we get some we get some kind of weird folks you know because- you know and well you know you just kind of have to shoo them off sometimes <laughs> Well, I think too, when you hear, you know, the Satanic Temple and you look at the iconic iconography of it all, people might think, oh, they worship the devil, but it's, it's more philosophical. It's not theistic Satanism. Right. It, it's, I mean, there are theistic Satanists. Right. But, 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 but TST is not that way. It's, you know, TST is pretty atheistic. Yeah. You know, it, it, I mean, it's like if you look at the tenets, that doesn't even address anything supernatural, really. It doesn't address anything supernatural. I mean, so there's no, there's not even any mention of any deities whatsoever. Right. Um, but Satanism in and of, of itself is non-theistic, which means, you know, it's like, so there's, there's a whole bunch of Satanists out there that, you know, they might be Church of Satan. Right. They might be the Satanic Temple. There might be something else. There's 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 a whole bunch of other different churches or organizations, you know. And then there's also just just loner Satanists. They're still Satanists, but they're just not a part of any Satanic organization. Which is kind of similar to all like the umbrella that is Christianity, right? There's all these different denominations. Right. Not as many, of course, but yeah. So. Um, what is, what is an unbaptism? Basically, it's, it's just basically like renouncing your baptism if you were baptized. Okay. And, um, it's a very cathartic thing, you know? Um, I mean, it's just another ceremony that, uh, a ritual that, that we have and, and the different chapters may do, do things a little bit differently from chapter to chapter. Um, but that's that's basically the idea, you know. Is is it's like most of us, you know, when we were baptized in whatever church mm-hmm. that we were baptized in, we were baptized as babies. Like we didn't really have any choice in the matter. We were just like, you're Catholic here. Well, yeah. You're baptized. Oh, really? Oh, okay, whatever. You know, as a kid, you don't really have any say in any of this happening. But as an adult, you know, it's like. You know, you, you, when you're done with it, you're done with it. And, and it's, 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 it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a ritual for, I am throwing away the bullshit. You know, right. I'm, I'm, I'm taking off these chains of this crap that, that is no longer, that I've outgrown, you know? Well, I mean, I, I think that like, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I have my own views and, uh, religion is very controlling right and if if say you know you're homosexual and you're you're rate you're in a family that's super christian you know and to be gay is to you know be of the devil or whatever to break free from that that would be cathartic right because you know you're finding freedom which again goes back to 
your sole purpose is you want to help people find freedom and their voice. Yeah. I mean, and the thing about it is, it's like when we have, when we have an an unbaptism ritual, it's like people are coming to us. We're not going out. Hey, you want to be baptized? Hey, we're not going out in the street. You have to get unbaptized. You know, like it's a choice. Like people, people come to us to, to, to participate in this. And, yeah. It's, so what what do they what do they do though? Do they like, you know, start a fire? Like what what does an unbaptism look like that you've seen, or are you able to disclose that? Well, um, the ones that I've seen, you know, have been been mostly have taken place at live music venues, mm. and so on the stage we may set up like an altar or something. And, um, there's like the people that are administering the unbaptism, they'll have often like some other chapters may do this differently, but from what I've seen, you know, they'll have a bowl that has this, this, uh, this moist ashes that are made from, from holy books that have been burned, (laughs) you know? Um, and, and, um, and and they'll you know and they'll basically they'll basically you know take the thumb out and put an inverted cross on on their on their forehead of this of this this stuff that's 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 made from it's made from ashes yeah, similar similar to what happens like at a mass on Ash Wednesday when the when a priest is putting the ashes on your forehead you know except that this is kind of a different thing right and. Um, yeah, and so people will line up and have this done, and you know, yeah, it's 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 it's, it's pretty cathartic. How did you uh, how did you get the name Lanzifer? Like, did you pick that out? Was that picked out for you? Everyone, everyone that has a pseudonym, you know, of course, for their own protection. Pretty yeah, pretty much chooses their own pseudonym and. And it's not like a required thing. There's people in the organization that don't even have pseudonyms, but um, you know, it's like for the most part, people are choosing names that that are like um, of demons or fallen angels or gods, you know, of mythological beings or you know things from legends or lore or whatever. Yeah, it's just like a convention. So. But but Lancifer, you know, basically just like Lucifer means light bearer, Lancifer means the lance bearer because I'm a jouster. Right. So I just wanted I picked the most chivalric thing that I could come up with, you know, that just that just kind of had a little bit of satanic flavor to it. And Elagos is is like the patron demon of chivalry. Oh. Um, it's like Elagos is like. Um, the name comes from, I think it's like the Lesser Key of Solomon or the Goetia or something like that. And um, his human avatar is just a knight on horseback. But it's like, I think in, in, in Lesser Key of Solomon, they have like an illustration of him. And, you know, he's like this demon carrying a flag, riding, riding a, a big black horse that has dragon wings. You know, it's really fantastic. And... Um, and Longinus, of course, was the name of the, um, according, according to legend, 
you know, the Roman soldier that put Jesus out of his misery on the cross. He's not mentioned by name in the Bible. It, it's much later on that, that he right. ends up getting named in some other like post-biblical, you know, Christian literature or whatever, but he was later canonized the saint. But yeah. Do you I came up with mine? So do like I guess this is kind of one of my last questions for you, because uh, we're at an hour here. But uh, what do you do? You believe in anything outside well, of you know? I don't believe in anything supernatural. Okay. I mean, I I mean, I believe in abstract concepts. Sure. That are man-made, like the whole idea of justice. That's a man-made idea, right? But right. we don't always agree on what that means, you know. It's something everybody's kind of got a sense of and a feel for, but, you know, it's like we all kind of have to be an active part of the process, right. making the world fair and making the world, you know. It's slightly like arbitrary. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. It's not supposed to be, but, you know, yeah. I mean, but, you're, you're a pretty educated guy. Like, where did, you, where did you get your education? Like, what kind of books were you reading? Well, I mean, I, I I attended, believe it or not, I attended I attended Houston Baptist University for a couple of years, and I was a music major there. Right. The only reason I went there was I got I got a scholarship there for my first year, and my first year there wasn't so bad. But by my, my second year there, I was like, no, just no, 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 no more of this, and. Um, yeah, and then I just, I just decided I, I wanted to get on horses and get hit by things, and <laughs> it, it just my life just made a complete turnaround. And that was like in 1998, you know. It was like, yeah, but I don't really have any regrets, you know. I, I love horses, and I mean, I've been through some really tough times in my life, and if mm -hmm. it weren't for horses, I don't know if I'd still be around, honestly, you know. They're very empathic animals and, and they're very, they're actually pretty intelligent. And um, yeah, I just, it's just, it's my passion. Well, I mean, after, after dogs, I think we have the longest in human history relationship with horses, which yeah. I mean, we've, we've forgotten I mean, about. If, if it weren't for horses, we probably wouldn't have automobiles or planes or any of that. You know? Well, we probably wouldn't have anything. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. I never even thought of it that way, but well, that's that. I mean, that's awesome, man. So what's, what's kind of next for, for yourself? Well, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm just keeping at it, you know, I'm, I mean, yeah. right now, right now during the pandemic, I'm, I'm really limited into as to things I can do, you know, musically I'm limited. And I mean, it's like, it's like, that's not bringing in any money. It's like, and because there's not a lot of there's not a lot of venues for me to perform and i mean jousting all the all the tournaments have, have been canceled until next year so i mean i'm i'm still riding you know and 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 training and doing stuff and with my horses and whatnot and i mean i'm still i'm still picking up my guitar and playing music and noodling out some new tunes here and there but it's just, yeah, like none of it is really 
none of it's really bringing in any dough right now. And right. The economy is really, really bad, but you know, yeah, I mean, but I am looking forward to the Utah rally next year and, and hopefully getting my horses up there for that. And as soon as, as soon as the whole organization will allow for, you know, public events again, because I mean, that, that's all stopped. It's like all of our meetings, you know, since March have all been online. Like we, there's a lot of us, even, even members of the chapters, local chapters that we haven't even seen our, each other's faces in person in months, you know? Oh, like you don't see everybody's face on the meetings? And on the meetings, yeah, we're in a Zoom. But yeah, meeting, but yeah. But, but I'm talking about in person. Yeah, we've yeah. seen each other in months in person. Like we used to actually have in-person meetings, right? And, stuff and, and you know, and I used to bring my horse up there and everything, and it was just, you know, missing that connection. Uh, yeah, you know. Hmm. So it's 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 gotten kind of lonely and kind of depressing, but like. Um, one of my horses is here, you know, where I live. And, um, one of my horses, I, I board 30 minutes away from here, but ever since, ever since like March, April, I was able to move one of my horses down here. So it's like, at least one of my horses is yeah. like been, has been like my emotional support animal through this, you know, through this thing. Dude, it's yeah. it's been a tough time for a lot of people. I mean, you, you do you have kids or like a partner or anything like that? I have I have two horses and two cats. There you go. <laughs> yeah, wow. yeah. Well, it's it you know it's important that you stay connected with people because you know yeah we are social creatures. Oh yeah, right. Asking people to stay inside all day that's uh, that's fucking war on their minds. Right. Well, the thing is with horses, I can go outside and I can cruise around the neighborhood and I can go places, go to the park or wherever, you know, and ride, you know, and still be a good distance away from people. Right. Right. Are the numbers like that bad there daily for COVID? I haven't been keeping up on, on the numbers, but I mean, it's, it's for the longest time, about I think about three months, like, like all the bars were closed down. Yeah. The governor ordered all the bars to close down, which I think is ironic because it's like some of the bars have opened back up if they could serve food so that they qualify as being a restaurant. So that's kind of a loophole right now. Right. If they can't, if they, if they can't have a kitchen that serves food that, you know, to where I, I don't remember whether it's like 50% of their income is from food or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know all the rules, but you know, I think it's still kind of silly because it's like when the bars were open, some of them were already following the rules of 25% capacity. They're what their normal capacity is, you know, limited, limited seating and, you know, and requiring masks to get in and, and, and to walk around and everything like that. They were, they were, they were doing everything according to the rules and the governor of Texas decided, you know, to, to shut down all the bars. At the same time, 
the mega churches are like loaded with people and you oh. see them on video with no masks or anything. And I'm like, well, God will, God will protect them. <laughs> so they believe, but, yeah. but you know, it's like that the virus isn't checking. Oh, Oh, you're, you're in church. All yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, Oh, you're drinking a beer. Let's go after this yeah. guy. It's like, that's not how any of this works. You know? Again, yeah. I think that goes back to who I has... can sit, I can sit a, a you know a table across yeah. with somebody and drinking a beer, you know, and you know it's like I, I don't have to be right next to people, you know. In fact, even before this whole COVID thing, I was kind of you know I was kind of a standoffish kind of guy that was just used to sitting by myself places and like, hey, what's going on? Yeah. And I don't know, man. I just I just don't I don't I don't really think that closing the bars down is so much the solution. Well, I mean, uh, it's really, it's really destroyed. It's really destroyed live music industry because where, you know, where else are we going to perform besides right. restaurants and bars? You know, it's like, it's there, there's no, there's no venues for it, you know, that are open right now. So that, that kind of sucks. <laughs> well, because where, where we are um, in Vancouver, there was live music at like a brewery because it was, you know, open kind of space. I don't yeah. know if they're offering that there, but, but like you say, I mean, that's a place where people go to socialize, right? Yeah. The bars and stuff like that. Right. Have you, have you thought you, about you, like, you can socialize and still practice social distancing. Yeah. It is possible. Well, yeah. here, here we close it at the bars at 10 because we're worried that, you know, people will just get absolutely shit faced and then, they won't what, be what able part, to. What part of Canada are you? Uh, Vancouver, so it's oh, right right okay. above Washington. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. So, but our numbers are like they're pretty good. I've, but, I've only been to Ontario, but that was in '99. Oh man, dude, you would love Vancouver. It's like super Probably. green. Yeah. There's horses out here, man. You'd love yeah, it here. That's cool. Yeah, I, I I'm not very good at horse riding. I've almost been killed by a horse twice in my life, so. You know, oh, kind of gave that dream up. I've been kicked. I've been stepped <laughs> on. I've been bitten. I've had oh, man. just fall over and roll over on top of me. All kinds of fun <laughs> stuff, you know. <laughs> have you have you ever thought about like writing writing any of this down? You know, like the satanic, you know, the devil's night or something like that. Writing a book. Well, I mean, everybody's I, got a book. I've sort of I sort of entertained the idea, but I haven't. You know, I haven't started on anything like that. Cause I mean, you're, you're a well-spoken person, you know what I mean? And, and you're definitely eccentric, right? You'd make for a great read. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm, I'm considering it. I'm considering it. I'm just more of an action guy, you know? Yeah. So yeah. Like, if I have something to write about. I better do something, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, the act of writing is definitely a do thing. Right. Yeah. yeah. I hear you. So. But hey, man, I you know, thank you so much for your time, um, Lanzifer. Like you, you said, you 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 do music. Do you got anything on Spotify that people could listen to or anything like that? Check your it's stuff not, out. It's not on Spotify. I used to have, I used to have the one CD that I recorded on iTunes and Amazon MP3. But what happened was I was paying. I don't think it's there anymore. But I was paying. I was paying, um, what is the name of that thing? It was, I was paying, you know, like $75 a year to keep stuff up and like 
and it was just like the, the, the little bit of money that was trickling back. I wasn't even, right. I wasn't, I wasn't even really coming out ahead, you know? And so now it's just like when I play someplace, I have some CDs handy, you know, that, that I, that I sell, you know, my gigs and so forth, but that's, that's just about it, you know? Cause but you, really I'm, I'm more passionate about my horses and joust performing in that capacity. I just happen to still be able to play guitar. I haven't ruined my hands yet. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, man, uh, once again, thank you so much, uh, Lanza, for, for your time and your insight. Um, do you have any questions for me? No, I'm, I'm good. All right. Well, come to, you got to check out Vancouver, Canada. You'll love it. I'll, I'll, I'll see whenever I can leave this country. <laughs> there you go, man. I got to renew my passport, but now I'm now I'm hearing that nobody, no other country wants us over there now until this whole until this whole COVID thing gets dialed in. <laughs> yeah, well, it's funny because we can go to Maui, like we can go to Hawaii, right? But apparently, other places in the states they can't even go to Hawaii right now, like other wow. states. Yeah. That's not surprising because it, Hawaii's got really strict uh, the Department of Agriculture. It's yeah. like you can't even bring pets over there. You can't bring a dog or a cat or anything over there because they're just really, really they want to keep <laughs> they want to keep introduced species under yeah. control there. You know, even though there's so there's bring, tons you of bring it a is. dog or you bring a cat, it has to be quarantined. You know. Yeah. And this is before COVID or anything. Well, yeah. now they're doing that with with you know humans, obviously. So right but that's where we're going first so but hey man let's keep in touch and uh you take care in the meantime all right thank you you too all right that was uh lanzifer longinus the uh head color guard of the satanic temple just an awesome dude who you know one of the biggest things that that stand out for him i need to stop saying one of the things that stand up for him, stand out about him, is how he is, uh, he loves his freedom, loves what he has, the ability to be who he is, and he wants to ensure that that same freedom is available for others. And he wants to give back to the world. And he's doing it through volunteering as a social activist with the TST. Just an awesome dude. And anybody who thinks that they're such a scary organization should maybe consider their own beliefs and how scary they might be to others. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Oops, I almost took out my mic there. <laughs>